Hey, this is Mark with A Present Word, where scripture is shared with insightful and practical applications for you today. First John chapter 2, verse 27. The anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. What is the Apostle John referring to? The anointing teaches you all things, and is true, and not a lie. Well, let's look back into the Old Testament for the origins of the word anointing, which is found in Exodus chapter 29, verse 7. Then you shall take the anointing oil and pour it upon the head of Aaron and anoint him. Here the anointing oil in the Old Testament is representative of the Holy Spirit for service as a priest. Today, as New Testament believers, the anointing oil, the Spirit of God, has moved from an outward anointing, see, upon the head of Aaron, to within us. The anointing which you have received from him abides in you. In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 7, Jesus speaking, The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jump to verse 26, Jesus still speaking, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all things that I said to you. In the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 13, however, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Do you notice the emphasis throughout these verses on teaching you all things, and he will guide you into all truth? As Christians, we may be worried or upset about many things going on in the church and our world today. As an example, like Martha, the sister of Mary from Bethany, what did Jesus say to her? In Luke chapter 10, verse 41, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that better part, which will not be taken away from her. Well, what was the better part Mary had chosen? Well, she sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. We know God uses his ministers to speak to us on his behalf. In Romans chapter 10, verse 14, How then shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? However, when listening to these preachers, we should verify if what we are hearing agrees with the Word of God and does it bear witness with the Holy Spirit within us. Are these voices imparting the voice of the bridegroom Jesus, or is it just their voice worried and troubled about many things like Martha? In the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verse 1, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, 
for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus is saying here, when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. He's speaking of himself here. Jesus, the great shepherd over the house of God. Shepherds have to enter through the sheepfold door, which is Christ. If they climb up another way, Jesus is telling us they're a thief and a robber. They are not sent by me. The shepherds of his church must follow the Lord. Then the flock can safely follow them. As the flock matures and grows and develops their own ability to hear his voice, then they can follow the Lord themselves. Christians are not to remain at a confined church pen the rest of their life. They should grow up to become ministers in their own right through his gifts of grace given to each one. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every member supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. See, as we spend time in his word, waiting upon the Lord in prayer and daily faithfulness to his word, we develop the ability to hear and discern his voice. And this includes our own, our own voice, our soul voice, or what we want. Then we begin to function in our effective part, helping the body grow through love. If we fail to cultivate this ability in our spirit to identify his voice, we are doomed to follow the voice of strangers. A stranger is someone who's speaking his own thoughts, his own words, someone the Lord has not sent. In the Gospel of John chapter 5, verse 43, Jesus speaking, I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor one from another, and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? See, others were coming in their own name. They may be very well-meaning and have the best intentions for their audience. They may be fully convinced they're speaking on behalf of the Lord, stirring up the people to get involved in many things, believing it's God. If we lack the ability to discern his voice in our spirit, this is an indication we have remained soulish, natural or carnal, untransformed by the renewing of our mind. We have neglected our spiritual development to discern and hear his voice. Unfortunately today, many are following those who have come in their own name. Jesus called them strangers. Why? Because these strangers are repeating back to them a gospel or a teaching using pseudo-Christian terminology in their messages. They minister to them according to their idols or their desires or the fact that the people have a lack of knowledge. These are seeking to gain a greater following to increase possibly their financial support or more public recognition. These know that naturally-minded believers, babes in Christ, are easy to convince and persuade. Before we ever get involved, we should ask the Holy Spirit within, God, is this your will for my life? I have found that the more mature we get in the Lord, the more we ask Him for permission. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. At salvation, or our saving faith, we are now the children of God. We're babes in Christ. But see, what is Jesus' long-term plan for our life? 
It's to become sons of God led by his spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you're not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able, for you are carnal. The Apostle Paul is teaching the Corinthians to grow up so that they can partake of solid food, the deeper revelations of Jesus. In other words, we are no longer to be led around by various impulses, other voices, or current daily affairs. We now know his voice. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, Paul writing to Timothy, his son in the faith, No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has enlisted him as a soldier. In 2 Timothy chapter 4.3, Paul says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Did you notice the apostle Paul said, for their own desires? That's why they heap up for themselves teachers. They're no longer interested in sound doctrine. They just want their ears tickled. Babies like their ears and feet tickled. I read earlier in 1 John chapter 2, you do not need that anyone teach you. It's verse 27. This scripture has been used by many to live independently of the body of Christ, saying, I have no need of you. I have no need of the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. But I believe when John wrote, you do not need that any teach you, he wasn't referring to these ministry offices. John understood that each of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith of the Son of God. That's in Ephesians chapter 4. So why would John make such a statement? I believe he was very concerned about the deception and the false teaching that had crept into the church. In John's third letter, in chapter 1, verse 9, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds, which he does, pratting or talking nonsense against us, with malicious words, and not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. This is a very similar message we read in Paul's letters, Peter's, and Jude. They wrote, warning us that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. That's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 6, the Apostle Paul is writing, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert, distort, or twist the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed which, or anathema, which means to be detested and shunned. Verse 9, And we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? 
For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Apparently, some of these preachers were claiming they had angelic visitations. In Paul's writing, he's even including himself here. If we, or an angel from heaven, preach to another gospel, let him be an anathema. Well, let's be honest. If we have a spiritual being of light appear to us, we want to believe it's sent from God. But Paul's telling us here, we can't believe everything we hear or even see. We need to know and understand the scriptures to confirm that the messenger has been sent from Almighty God. See, we need to verify. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Paul marveled that many were turning away to a different gospel, which he said is not another, meaning that they used Jesus' name and Christianese speech, but they were perverting and twisting the truth of the true gospel of Christ. We have to be a discerning people. We have to use the anointing within us to discern the truth from a lie and deception. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 12, But what I do, I will also continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things which they boast. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it's no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. There's a saying in our military leadership regarding nuclear disarmament with the Russians. The U.S. said to the Russian government, We hear what you're saying, and we want to believe you, but we must first verify. Recently, we heard many prophetic words predicting our last U.S. presidential outcome. The majority of these prophecies or predictive words turned out to be unreliable. If it's not his voice we are following, but another, a stranger, we will end up in error, deception, confusion, and defeat. A good example is the fallout from that election. Many believers were devastated, confused, and left the church defeated. Many still continue to give prophetic words, future predictions, and dreams about America and the church, stating, God has spoken this to me. But there seems to be very little accountability, if any, if their words turn out to be error or an outright lie. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 36, Jesus speaking, But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Well, I don't know about you, but that's a scary statement from Jesus. So let's fear God when we speak. Anytime I hear prophecies, prediction, dreams, and their interpretations being shared as from God to the nation, or to the church, or both, I first attempt to verify by consulting with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. Second, I place them in my back seat as a figure of speech from my life. These are no longer allowed in the front seat of my life. They are never the driving force of my life or ministry. Only the Lord Jesus, seated in the front seat, is at the wheel. I must admit, from time to time, I've tried to grab the wheel and tell the Lord, No, Lord, you're going the wrong way. 
He will allow us to take back the control of our life if we want it bad enough. I have discovered he will not deny us the right to our own will and choices. He still desires today those who will willingly surrender control over to him. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what's the takeaway from this podcast? The same Jesus who said, I have placed my anointing in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, is the same Jesus who placed in his church body apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. We need both the anointing in us and the ministries placed in the church. I'm not saying we should be fearful and skeptical of those ministering today. We just need to verify what they're saying. The best example I have found in the Word is the Berean Christians in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. The Bereans were more honorable than those in Thessalonica. This was evident in the great eagerness with which they accepted the Word. But examine the Scriptures each day to see whether Paul and Silas' teaching was true. So let us not neglect this great and precious gift sent to us from our Heavenly Father. You have received the anointing from Him, and He abides in you. I hope this message was helpful to you today. If you would like to be notified of future podcasts, click the follow or subscribe button. Donations to A Present Word in any amount are greatly appreciated. Just click the support link or the heart button if you're on our website. To contact me, the email is apresentword at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.